millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Ray Dalio, George Soros, the Rockefellers. They are billionaires. They have all the money they can ever hope to spend. They are also all investing in cryptocurrencies. Yes, even the richest in the world choose to invest in the future through cryptocurrencies. Just as when there's big talk about cryptos being volatile, the latest market dip being permanent, and the government cracking down on crypto and other issues, billionaires are buying in. Why? Because cryptocurrency is the future, and the best time to invest is when there's a dip. The deeper the dip the higher the gains. So if you want to invest in the future, start now and start with my digital money. With my digital money, you don't just get the opportunity to invest. You get the security of knowing you're investing with a U.S.-based company that offers end-to-end service when you want it. So go to MyDigitalMoney.com. All right, folks. I am here with Tito Ortiz, Huntington Beach bad boy of the UFC. Got a lot of questions for you, Tito. Got a, a lot of questions and, and some from my audience as well. Um, first of all, first of all, first and foremost, I want to talk about, I want to touch a little bit on your, uh, let's call it your political stint you did and uh, what, uh, d- you know, disenfranchised you or, or what uh, uh, what made you step away from it. Uh, we'll get into that. But first, you have a fight coming up September 11th against Anderson Silva. And surprise, surprise, to me, even myself, I was I was surprised. It's a boxing match. Yep, um, I'm excited, man. It's just uh, I mean I've been boxing now shit for the last seriously for the last like ten years. But uh, I mean for 24 years, I mean we got a sparred for MMA. So I mean you got to put on boxing gloves, you got to put on headgear, you got to punch. But actually now I'm taking away the kick in and the elbow in and the knee in. So now strictly punching. But the last ten years, that's what I've really been focusing on because I want to get my hands good. And uh, working with Jason Perillo uh, from Ruka, um, you know, he has great world champions like Michael Bisbing, BJ Penn. I mean, he's worked with some of the greatest. I mean, we work right now. Uh, the work that I've been putting in with them has just been really focusing on my boxing. And it's been great for my body because I'm not wrestling. I'm not doing jiu-jitsu. And I'm strictly focusing on the fundamentals of uh, the perfection of boxing, man. I mean, it is literally like playing chess. It is very difficult, uh, very methodical where you got to use a lot of mindset just for the boxing and punching position keeping yourself in good uh defense position and i mean i think once again it's just the sweet science of boxing that i'm learning it's a it's a beautiful sport it's a high-speed chess match and you know i used to work with jason uh, when i was training with jesse reed <laughs> jason yeah. would work the mids with me you know and he, and he would sit there and he would take my hooks and everything and i gotta tell you if you just want my two cents from what i've seen with anderson if you want my two cents from what i've seen on him just 
just looking at him and his and I looked to watch a little of his sparring and his fights. He's I like to call him a chin floater. So he floats his chin and yes. and he steps he steps back with his chin in the air. So if you just pivot and double up on your shots, you'll catch him and knock him out. Just saying, just from what I saw. Well, I think we all seen the same thing because uh, Jason, we've all worked on the same stuff, and it's good that I've had some really um, good sparring partners. I sparred my first time on Friday. You know, we still got a month to the fight. You know, I haven't done anything really in about a year and a half. Uh, I got this call. I think it was on July nineteenth that asked if I'd fight Anderson Silva, and I was like, hey, "Give me the opportunity, please." <laughs> and uh, since then, I've been training. Uh, my weight went from two forty down to two twenty four. Good. You know, today I'm a little heavier, about 226, but I mean, I had a great dinner last night. I actually had my first carbs this morning that I've had uh, in the last two weeks. So I think my energy is a little better than what it was. Uh, but once again, I just, um, when I get the opportunity, I take advantage of it no matter what. Through my whole career, I mean, I've been fighting for 24 years. I've been fighting for a long time at a high level. But now at the boxing level, actually, I could put a lot more focus strictly into boxing and uh, watching tape, you know, watching a lot of other boxers, you know, like Tyson, um, gosh, uh, Canelo, and try to just pick apart little small things of punching, uh, not really uh, smothering myself with punches and trying to step back. But once again, with Anderson, you know, he's a longer guy, um, faster guy, good at his hands, but had, does have a suspect chin. But once again, I got to punch his chance. Uh, give me an opportunity. I'm a fighter, man. And uh, I'm going to go in. I'm going to try to put on a show as I always do. I think, you know, from what I've seen with Anderson, you know, he leaves his chin a little long in the air. So I think if you commit with the shot and then pivot off it and pop up, double up on it, I swear, Tito, that could be all she wrote. That's just what I'm, that's what I'm seeing because those guys, they, they drag their chin. And, and then if you come in with it, you need either a quick shot and then two power shots afterwards or a power shot and then double up on the two next two shots. I think you got this guy. And, and I know Jason would be working that working on that with you. Uh, he's a great mid man. And, and uh, let's just let's just jump into some more questions here, man. And by the way, the odds of this fight are fucking. They're obviously in Anderson's uh, Silver's uh, Silva's favor. He's what negative five hundred. Tito Ortiz plus three fifty. Is that still the odds? I guess so. I, I really don't care <laughs> You're like fuck. That's news to me. Opportunity, like I say, man. I really don't care about odds. I'm always my back's pushed against the wall. I fight the best. Uh, and once again, man, I I'm getting to a game that I know a little bit about, but. I'm aggressive. I, I, I give you props, man. I give you props for doing this. And so this is on the Triller Fight Club Fight Club card on September 11th uh, with Oscar De La Hoya. He's fighting Vitor Belfort, correct? Yeah. And, you know, Oscar, I think he had his hands with Vitor, man. Vitor is a great boxer. He's always been a great boxer. Golden gloves from uh, from uh, Brazil. So what's your thoughts Oscar on that fight? More than he should. What's, what's your thoughts on that fight? Um, I, I, I think Oscar's going to get clipped with some punches. Uh, <laughs> he can punch. He can punch hard. He's a bigger guy. He's fast. Uh, but once again, Oscar uh, is a gold medalist, man, a former um, world champion. I think he's, what, eight-time world champion. Isn't v, but isn't Vitor bigger than him, naturally? A lot bigger. Yeah, oh, jeez. Size and height and weight. Um, but, I mean, they got to get down to 180. So that may be one of the things, you know, uh, Belford at 180. He's a lot weaker. I mean, the same situation happened with Anderson Silva. I mean, the contract's supposed to be done by, I think, the third week of uh, July, and we didn't even get it done until the second week of August. And it was just, like, mind-blowing that he was just pushing so hard for me to get down to 195. And people got to understand, I haven't been down to 195 since my sophomore year in college when I wrestled. Oh, damn. And they made 205 because of me. It used to be 199, but when UFC got bought by the uh, Fertitas, 
they asked me, Tito, what would be your um, perfect weight? And I go, you make it 205, it's perfect. I walk around about 215, 220. I can make 10 to 15 pound cut. And it's easy. I mean, not easy, but it, it, I got to make little sacrifices. You're not so going to feel drained. Like, you know, yeah, well, I mean, I'm lean as hell when I do it. But Anderson made it like a fact. I'm like, either you take the fight or you don't. You got to make 195. And I was like, okay, I ain't going to let this fight get away from me. I've always wanted to fight Anderson. You know what the hell with it? I'll try to kill myself to make 195. Now, if I don't make 195 and I make over to, I was at uh, 198, they take 20% of my purse. If I make 200, they take away 30% of my purse. So you know what? I'm going to pay him to kick his ass, and I'm still going to try to make the weight. But it absolutely. is what it is, and I'm going to put on a show. I'm going to fight my heart out, and that's just how I do, man. I, I, I've no, absolutely. Like- Listen, you were – you know, I, I've, I've, you know, you were one of the rising stars in the UFC. I think you built the UFC, to be quite honest with you. I'll, I'll be, I, you know, I point blank shoot, I shoot from the hip. You were the stars that really, you were one of the up and coming stars that really formed the USA and its uh, the UF, UFC and its evolution when it was coming up. You know, so you were actually one of the breakout stars in the UFC when the sport was just beginning to find itself in the evolution of MMA. I believe you helped put the sport on the map. With fights like against uh, uh, Liddell, Shamrock, uh, you know, I also saw that I saw it was a time also when the when boxing was on life support. The Klitschko's basically hijacked heavyweight boxing, and there was nothing there to fill that void. And then UFC comes along and just steals boxing thunder. That's that's how I saw it. And you were really one of the breakout stars, okay, of the evolution of UFC. And I got to give you props for that, Tito. And. Um, you know the drama and the and the competitive rivalries that were that were being bred in the UFC were just not happening in boxing. Boxing, you know, throughout history has been like this, up and down, up and down. But UFC supplied that the rivalries, the drama that boxing was lacking. And I and, and I think it was you and Liddell and um, Shamrock. Now, here's the question I want to ask you, and a lot of people wanted me to ask this question. Well, first of all, how does it feel to be part of some of the most amazing history in the development of the UFC? How does that feel to know that you were one of the breakout stars? Um, I'm very thankful that support that I get through my fans that are able to notice that because UFC have tried to uh, erase my history of um, fighting in the UFC, of being a five-time world champion. A lot of people don't know that because they've yeah. erased my And it's just scary because I was one of the outspoken guys that are trying to fight for the fighters. People got to understand with UFC and – I'm in no bad terms with Dana. I'm no bad terms with UFC. I'm very thankful for what they did um, for my career, for my future, and and give me the opportunities that I've had. But I've worked my ass off to get to those situations, uh, to become a world champion, to become you know a, a very fortunate person to give my kids everything I never had as a kid growing up with money. Um, God, just clothes on their back, food in the refrigerator. You know the things that people take for granted sometimes, and. I've been very fortunate because I've put my life in line doing that. I've had eight surgeries, but bouncing back every single one of those surgeries and still competing with no excuses of doing it. Listen, but at you- the time of getting only 6% of the revenue that is um, made from the fights that I fought, it just didn't make sense to me. But at the same time, uh, I signed the contract. I get it. But I think you'd make more smarter business. It was more of a, um, a partnership. It was more of how kind of boxing is, you know, where they cut, you know, it's a third goes to the fighter, a third goes to the other fighter, and a third goes to the promotion. That's how it should have been. And it never was like that. It was always about building the UFC. And I get it. And um, I, had, I got an opportunity to walk away in 2013, and it wasn't the factor that I was retiring from the sport in general. It was just I had to get away to re 
redo my life. You know, I, I had to get my family together. You know, my ex, uh, Jenna Jameson, I, I had a lot of problems at home with that. And I had to, you know, find happiness. There was so much negative stuff in my life. I was just losing myself. I was losing my life. I was losing my house. I was losing my family in general. And I had to make sure my kids were going to have everything that I dreamt of as a kid. And I had made the sacrifice of getting rid of her and, and taking full custody of my children um, meeting my girlfriend, Amber Nicole Miller, that I've been with now for eight years, was the love of my life. And I'm very thankful of her saving me and my children. Um, but I had to make the sacrifice of doing this. You know, I had to do the same thing that my mother did when she was um, going through the problems with my father and separated away from my father because my father had a bad drug problem. And she got sober and got me away from him and was able to save my life. You know, I found wrestling that really saved me. You know, my true name is Jacob. If anybody don't know that, my true name is Jacob. In the Bible, Jacob wrestled against an angel. The angel beat him and saved his life. Well, wrestling saved my life. And I got that opportunity to do this um, through fighting. I got this opportunity to do this through wrestling, put me through college. It got me educated. It got me smart enough to run my own businesses now with Punishment Athletics. I got into the car business. I got into that. That was too shady. Um, (laughs) I got into a lot of things that I really understood business in general, but at the end of the day was to look in the mirror and knowing that I'm helping people around me. You know, I want to be a high school wrestling coach. I want to be a, a school teacher, but at the same time, I was like, you know, making 40, 50 grand a year wasn't going to cut it for me because I had bigger, brighter future. I want to do great things. So the MMA stuff being the business world and being a fighter, I understood like that. Of, uh, I'm thankful for my fans once again, because I got to say, they have made me the icon of mixed martial arts. I did the work, but they're the ones that have supported me to get to that position. I'm very, very thankful for my fans, and I'm far from being over. You know, I'm 46 years old, but I feel like I'm like 35. I feel young. But once again, it's just the transitions that I've had through my life to mature to where I am today. I was a kid still growing up. You know, I had a conversation yesterday with one of my friends, and it was when I was 21, I was really like 16. (laughs) When I was 25, I was maybe 21. When I was 30, I was maybe 24. I mean, it was just a late weird. bloomer. That was totally different. But now that I, you know, I'm 46 now, I feel like I'm like 35, man. I feel good. My body feels good. I've had, you know, a great surgery. I've done great surgeries. But once again, it's what I have between the eyes, man, the brain that just makes me mentally strong to keep myself focused of working hard. I don't have a nutritionist. I'm my own nutritionist. I eat everything that I need to eat to make myself per, um perform in the manner that I need to to be successful uh the hard work I put in the bag work the mint work all this stuff I do on my own my Jason doesn't have a call me up say Tito get in the gym I'm at the gym early I'm getting my I'm wrapping my own hands um I don't have anybody to push me I don't need anybody to push you me didn't no I'm no I've never met a, I've never met a champion fighter that that you know had had to have someone to push them into the gym you know they get there on their own they do their work they don't have to be told when to run they run they get those miles in they hit the road you know they do all that uh, about dana white though you know I-, I see him say some crushing things about fighters especially the every chance he gets to knock down Dela Hoya. you know oh Dela Hoya, the cocaine this and that have things iced over with you and, and dana now are you and dana on good terms would you say or are you just like you just kind of split don't want to talk it's kind of over like a bad um, breakup I, I try to reach out to him from time to time uh you know he he'll just say hi i mean i, I think i kind of hurt his feelings a lot when chuck called me out and said he was gonna knock me out and then i ended up knocking chuck out i think that really hurt his feelings a lot because chuck was I'm his boy say, I'm, I'm not gonna say i apologize for it because chuck called me out and i told chuck straight to his face you understand i'm gonna hurt you right and he still didn't get it but after the fight was over it was just like 
oh, Chuck is an old man. He too should never fought him. That's not the prime Chuck. People need to understand, I didn't call Chuck out. I never said nothing. He's the one called me out saying, oh, Tito's not going to even show up to the fight. This All this propaganda has been pushed against me with UFC and Chuck Liddell. It was all fabricated. Me and Chuck Liddell used to be boys. But he showed us true colors. And it's okay. I, I, I'm happy. Um, my life has changed. And the things between me and Dana, it, it was it's behind me. It's my past. I ain't looking behind me. I'm always looking forward. I'm not looking at my footsteps behind me. I'm not looking at my shadows behind me. I'm looking forward. I'm looking for the future because I want to be successful. I want to continue on and giving my children just the mentality and the ideology of being a successful person in life, either it's fighting, either it's business, or either it's just being a good man on this, uh, this planet right now, man. And we need a lot of more better men and I'm making some strong men. You know, I got my son, Jacob, uh, who's 19. He, uh, got a full ride to Arizona state university. And then I got my twins, Jesse and journey, um, who are 12 and straight A students. And I, I really have them questioning everything. How many, how many kids do you have? How many kids do you have? I have three boys. Three boys. Oh wow, three boys, and they're all wrestlers. They're all they're all, all in the wrestling. fight game. Uh, not in the fight game. Um, well, my oldest son Jacob, he's in, uh, in the wrestling. He he's been wrestling. He's been six. Uh, he won the state title in Arizona just this last year. Um, <clears throat> he uh, actually is now going to ASU, and uh, he'll redshirt this year. But he's wrestling with a lot of tough, tough guys, national champions. You know, Valencia that's there, and uh, there's a bunch of other guys that they recruited in. So. I just want him to get educated. And he says, dad, I'm not sure if I want to fight. I go, listen, son, I don't care if you want to fight. I don't care if you do. I don't care if you don't. I just want you to be educated and understand everything and question everything and just understand what we have in this country right now, because it's being lost. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And before we get, we step into the politics, I wanted to ask you, and I was, I've always been curious about this. You know, I, um, you know, a lot of my boxing, my friends that were world champions and other fighters, they would always say, man, you go to your deathbed, remembering, certain fights you know i have some in my mind that i'm like damn i remember that son of a bitch is a tough motherfucker you know you got these i got hit the hardest by this guy or that guy what what and i know your career is not over so you may you may have more fights to come that you that you will have you'll be tested once again but as of right now if you went to when you go to your deathbed what fights are you going to remember who were your biggest grudge matches who was your toughest fight um gosh i would say one of my toughest fights would have to be uh Vanderlei silva um, when I won my world title against him, he was, uh, the ax murderer from Brazil. He was just murdering people, almost murdering people in Japan. Um, he was killing people in pride, just nonstop. And I, I got the call. Um, Frank Shamrock didn't want to find me in a rematch. And all of a sudden Joe Silva told me, he goes, uh, what do you think about fighting Vanderlei Silva? I was like, what? <laughs> He's always a vacant <laughs> world title. You could fight him. Um, and I remember I was in Abu Dhabi at the Submission World Championships. I was, was going to wrestle for third and fourth at the absolute weight. And I pulled out of the tournament because I said, okay, let's do it. Here's my opportunity. Here's my chance. And I focused really, really hard on the fight, on the train, on a training camp. Um, I moved myself to Las Vegas. I, I was training, you know, six days a week for eight weeks. And uh, I remember looking across at him and the guy's shredded. Um, a monster. I mean, he was head kicking me and people just slicing people's faces open. I was like, this guy's vicious. But I remember um, in the second round, I hit him with the right hand and dropped him. I heard him go, and he was on his back and I was trying to finish him and he ended up finishing our, I ended up uh, the round being over. And then in the third round, I went to go head kick him and he caught my foot and hit me with the right hand. And when he hit me with the right hand, it hit me so hard. It felt like I went upside down, (laughs) but I didn't go upside down. I just went to a knee. 
And I remember kind of running away from him, him chasing me, screaming, going, ah! And talking about having that little instinct of fear of going, okay, it's either do or die right now. Either you let him finish you or you survive. <laughs> and it was a little angel on my shoulder going, no, Tito, survive. And that's when I survived and I out-wrestled and I took him down. I won my decision. But uh, we both took a beating, man. His face was super swollen. My face was swollen. I remember flying back from Japan and the, the uh, um, stewardess walked up to me. She's like, are you okay? What happened to you? I'm all, all right, I just fought for world title. I'm the world champ. She goes, uh, did you fight that guy that's in the front? Because he looks a lot worse than you. I go, yeah. And that was probably one of the, one of the brutal, most brutal fights that, I, that I've been in. Um, but one of the best ones I would have to say uh, would be against um, Ryan Bader. When I fought Ryan Bader, you know, I was a five to one underdog. My back was against the wall. If I would have lost, uh, I would have lost four fights. And people understand the four fights that I gained by winning that fight saved my life completely, saved my, my, my family's life financially like no other. And uh, at the time I was with my ex and a very toxic relationship. And for eight weeks, I lived in the same home with her, slept in the same bed with her, but never spoke a word to her. I took wow. care of my boy morning i dropped them off at school i come back when they got back from school and you're, and you're talking about over. jenna right yes sir okay and then i, I would uh co- come back uh and ray dalio george soros the rockefellers they are billionaires they have all the money they can ever hope to spend they are also all investing in cryptocurrencies yes even the richest in the world choose to invest in the future through cryptocurrencies just as when there's big talk about cryptos being volatile the latest market dip being permanent and the government cracking down on crypto and other issues billionaires are buying in why because cryptocurrency is the future and the best time to invest is when there's a dip the deeper the dip the higher the gains so if you want to invest in the future start now and start with my digital money with my digital money, you don't just get the opportunity to invest. You get the security of knowing you're investing with a U.S.-based company that offers end-to-end service when you want it. So go to MyDigitalMoney.com. Take care of him for a little bit. The nanny would come over. I'd go back to training. And I did this for eight weeks. Never said a word to her. And I remember packing my bags and going to uh, Vegas and her saying, please, please, can we talk? And I look at her and go, you know what? I can't handle the toxic stuff. Let me finish this fight. It's, it's, everything's on the line here. If I lose this, I'm getting dropped from the UFC. And I remember going and I, I went to Michael Bisbing's uh, Ultimate Fighter and the guys were like, Tito, hey man, can you do the grave digger for us? Can I show you how you do it? I go, you guys gotta wait until Saturday because on Saturday I'm gonna do it. They're like, no, no, really. Because they thought I was gonna lose. They're like, no, no, really. Can you do it? I go, wait until Saturday. And I remember in the first round, and I hit him with a, a right hook, and he dropped, and I choked him. And the first thing that popped in my mind when he tapped and I got to my feet was, the grave digger's coming. <laughs> and let me tell you, the most happiest feeling and the most gratification feeling I ever had in my life was that feeling right there because I believed in myself, and no one else believed in me. My camp believed in me. Jason Crillo believed in me. My, my coaches that helped me for that camp believed in me. And I remember doing interviews prior to that fight, and people were saying, "So, what are you going to do after this fight, Tito? Are you like going to do commentating? You do, um, you're going to do other things? I know you're not going to fight anymore. You're retired." I was looking at him. I go, "What are you talking about? I'm going to win this fight." And uh, I shocked the world that night. And Beautiful. I plan on doing it on September 11th. I'm just excited because when my back's pressed against the wall, that's when I fight the best. I fight with uh, emotions. You you, uh, you perform under pressure. You perform. You're yes, a clutch sir. fighter. Clutch fighter. 
So let me ask you, so you, you decide, I guess you stepped away from the sport a little bit and you decided to go into politics. Was was it a couple years ago, right? Or about a year ago, was it? How long ago? Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets, NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. It was actually, uh, God, I would say August of uh, 2020. So we had a little situation happen here in Huntington Beach. Uh, there was a lot of uh, the riots happening from BLM in L.A. And they started moving closer uh, south towards Huntington. You know, they went to Long Beach, uh, Garden Grove, Santa Ana. And they came to Huntington one weekend. And Chuck Liddell was down there. And I guess a few fights broke out. A few people got punched in the face. And I didn't want nothing about it. People are going to protest. Once again, I'm not a politician, man. I'm not into politics at all. I didn't really care about it. When Trump ran for president, I was like, you know what? I know who Trump is. I, I, I've known him since 2001. Um, I was on The Celebrity Apprentice. I worked with them. You know, I know, I know Don Jr. I know Eric. Um, I know Ivanka. I know how great this family is and how successful they are. And I know how, actually at the time, I really didn't know how corrupt politicians were. But I knew, I have always heard it from other people from just hearsay. But when Trump ran, I was like, you know what? I'm going to back him. And people say, oh, you're you're a white supremacist and you're a sellout. You're a Mexican, like, you're a Mexican white supremacist. <laughs> I never got it. I'm like, people, you understand this is America. Have you guys ever traveled outside of your city or your town or your state or even the country? Have you ever traveled outside of it and gone to Venezuela or Cuba or China or Japan or, you know, uh, different countries? Because I have. I've gone to those. And every time I came back home, I kissed the ground when I got home and going, thank God I live in America. But then I watched of how hard the left was just trying to take over this one world government and yeah. the world order. And people said, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> wow. 2021. Talk about a kick in your ass and a little bit of uh, truth pie coming right people, back. At people you. are waking up, man. And it, well, they have no choice because it's happening right now. Yeah, and It's I happening hope- right now scary because there's a lot of things that are happening but i mean just to go back to the story uh here in huntington that one weekend there's a couple fights and then the police uh, dispersed them saying it was uh, unlawful um assembly and i got a message on my instagram at tito ortiz 1999 and once again you got a punch in literally tito ortiz 1999 and it says are you sure you want to follow this person because the information he says is not true so once again I- i'm getting shadow banned it's fine um but I got the message and it said from guys from BLM saying they didn't finish the job the first time they're to come back and burn the city down. Oh, wow. Women and the kids. They sent that message to you. Yes. That's I got cr- fucking crazy. Somebody, and I sent it to the HBPD. And 
when I seen that message, I was like, huh, no, bro, you're in the wrong town. That shit ain't happening here in Huntington Beach. So I called about 30 or 40 of my friends. And I said, guys, we need to go down and make sure they don't burn down HP. And uh, it was a, it happened on a Saturday. So it was on a Friday. One of my friends from uh, LA Sheriff, he uh, gave me some, uh, a little bit of intel of, you know, how these guys are going to line up and how the police are going to line up and what to look out for. Always make sure you keep an eye on hands and eyes. Um, he gave me a bulletproof vest just in case things did pop off. And I called my buddies. I said, you know what? I'm going to make a shirt. This is HB strong on the front of it. I go, I'm going to give you the shirt. You guys got to make sure. I don't care if they talk about your mom. I don't care if they spit on you. I don't care if they do anything. We're there to protect the buildings. That's it. If fights break out, don't do anything. Let the officers handle their job. Uh, 9 a.m. I went down there. And during that week, I would wake up at 8 in the morning. I would go downtown. Um, and because we have uh, alleys in the um, downtown area. And I would go drive in the downtown area and go look for bricks. Go look for something that's just suspicious. I'm always doing my part. I love Huntington Beach. I've lived here my whole life. I want to protect this city. This is a conservative city. I'm well, the only conservative. I mean, we're the top four in the United States to be a conservative city. I want to make sure that things were going to happen and were going to go south. And I looked. I couldn't find anything through the whole week. So Saturday morning, I went down there at 9 a.m. And I was handing T-shirts to each one of my friends. And I said, listen, once again, if anybody comes in your face, you can't say nothing. I go, we got to hold the line. We got to make sure they do not walk downtown because I spoke to the officers and they said, we can't stop them from walking downtown. I go, but can we stop them from walking downtown? He goes, Tito, we cannot stop them from walking downtown. So I was like, oh, I get that. <laughs> I get to know. So we, we stood on, on uh, Main Street and PCH and on the other side of the pier, uh, all of a sudden there was 40 people in BLM shirts and half of them were white kids with green yeah. hair. And all of a sudden it became a hundred, then became 500, then became a thousand, then became 2000. And there was a, probably a good, you know, 3000 of residents from HB all sitting down there and all the local guys that I know. Um, and as I gave them their shirts, I, once again, I said, you can't do nothing. Just hold the line. And we stood there and stood there and nothing happened. And all of a sudden um, from the day prior, when I was talking to my friend, who's a, a sheriff, he goes, you got to watch out for markers. You'll see guys that will come from your side and will walk and will start something to get you guys to. Uh, like, like like instigators. Yes, instigators that will come to kind of bring you guys together so the cops will circle you and they don't know who's who. And this situation happened because it was uh, three black guys and two small cats and they had red bandanas on their neck. And I look and they're all dressed in black and they just had a red bandana on their neck. And I look and I go, ooh, there they are right there. And they walk through our guys. And as soon as they walked through that guys, they got to the end and they shoved an old man to the ground. And then a fight broke out. And then my guys started rushing to go stop the fight. I go, stop. We're here for the buildings. Only the buildings. Let the officers do their job. And then when that happened, I looked to my left and I saw about 14 or 15 guys all in BLM stuff. And they try to circle behind us. They try to flank us. I looked at them. I go, hey, bro, wrong side. You can go the other way. And they looked at me and stopped. And they go like, one of the guys, hey, that's Tito Ortiz. I go, yeah. I go, you're in the wrong neighborhood, bro. You guys can go on the other side. And they kind of turned around, walked over to the other side. And kind of funny because there was cops right behind them. They looked at me and they just kind of smiled and were like, right on. They didn't push. We held our ground. The officers broke the fight up. And all of a sudden, it went from the 2,000 to the 1,500 to the 500 to 200 to 100 to 50 and all it was was 50 kids about maybe 14 to and, and they're all and most of them are white right most of them and are all white like all white. pasty fucking blue hair cotton candy looking motherfuckers <laughs> and, and it's sad because where are their parents man where are their parents are doing it and I, once again that day we stood our ground um huntington didn't get burned down 
Santa Ana got burnt down. Long Beach got burnt down. Garden Grove got burnt down. All of LA got burnt down. But HP, we stood strong because we care about this city. And it was just, uh, it was a, a paid event by the left. And it's scary it's because they're willing, to do that. they're willing to do that to destroy a city, to destroy the cities, destroy America as they did through that time. Um, it's just propaganda, man. And it's scary because it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's becoming more and more frequent. Um, all of a sudden, BLM's no, nowhere to be seen. And now it's, uh, we're, we're um, terrorists of the country. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's gonna, it's, now, it's, now they're planning to flip it on the Trump supporters and whatever false flag events they can bring into the, into the open and blame Trump supporters. So this is all getting engineered. It's all been engineered. We know that. You yeah. know, it's New World Order stuff. It's, it's engineered. The open borders, um, the deep state politicians. This is all very highly engineered. People need yeah. to understand that. But yeah, you, ran, you ran for a political position in Huntington, right? Yeah, so then, then that's what I mean, that was gave me the idea. I was like, you know what, Trump's doing it for them for America. I'm going to do it for HP. I'm not a politician. I'm I'm really an honest man who wants a great future for my children, for my community. I love Huntington, man. I live on the water. I'm living the American dream, and I don't want to lose it. So I was like, you know what? I think I'll step in as a uh, city council. I want to be mayor of Huntington Beach, and I ran my uh, my uh, campaign as you know, make HB safe again. And I won, got the most votes in Huntington Beach history, but I really didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know how deep the deep state truly was. And it it's, is deep. You, you got to explain. It is really deep here in Huntington Beach. Uh, it is the politics are Democrat owned for sure. And they're infiltrating like no other. And it's scary because now Huntington Beach got to step up. I'm one person. I'm a big name. Um, 1400 bucks a month was not paying for the, abuse that i was getting from the city council um i was attacked every single week for six months uh all the way up to saying i was committing fraud against my city i was committing fraud against the government um to my children won't wear a mask and they were bullying you dude they were bullying you and abusing you literally big time every week and once again let me tell you you know i mean i got to a point where 1400 bucks a month is not paying my bills. I'm losing money doing this. And then when they start attacking my name and saying I'm a fraud and saying I'm committing, you know, uh, uh, just illegal stuff against our city, that's hurting my name. That's hurting my businesses. And I, I'm 46. I still got a long life to go. And when they start ruining my name and my character, assassinating my character, I was like, this is not worth it. I can't do this. So I, I stepped down. And once again, when my children got put on the news of not wearing a mask and Oh, Tito Ortiz's kids are too good to wear a mask. That's not what it's about. It's about the control. It's about the health issues my children are going to have later on in life if their lungs are not going to develop the right way. My children are growing right now. My children are small. And they're going to be 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, and yeah. man, they're barely five foot. They're going to grow. Their lungs need to grow. Their muscles need to grow. Their bodies need to grow. And, and, and not to mention, you make your body highly acidic wearing that shit. You yes, breathe in your own carbon dioxide. And... And, you know, people ask me in El Paso all the time. People are like, oh, man, run for politics out here, man. You could be the mayor. You just <laughs> – what you just said should convince and let everyone know this is why I'm not doing it. Your experience. And I was curious about that because your experience just put the nail in the coffin for me to ever – the whole system needs to change. It's rigged. It's dirty. It's, it's like you said, Democrat-owned. It's radical, and they will destroy your character – 
everything about you. And they did with you. They went after you from the get go. Well, one of my buddies who's a big business owner um, in Cerritos, um, I talked to him and he goes, Tito, just walk away peacefully. He goes, walk away peacefully. Don't do anything. Just walk away peacefully because they'll do anything they possibly can to destroy you. And people can understand, I came from nothing. I mean, I was a kid growing up. I, I lived in motels. I, I was on government cheese. I was on food stamps because my parents didn't want to be successful. I don't want to be like that. I am not a victim. I refuse to be a victim of society. I'm a hardworking citizen of America that's going to give back, pay my taxes, do everything by the book. But at the same time, I'm not going to let my family be attacked. And I had to walk away and I walked away and it was the best thing ever because it was, it was having a big impact on my life. It was having a big impact on my relationship with Amber. It was having a big impact relationship with my kids. So much is when I, I, when I quit and, you know, resigned, my boys came up and gave me a big hug and go, thank you, dad. Now you can be back with us. That was the most hardest thing for me to do because I don't quit on anything I do. And I don't even say I quit. I say I resigned and I got bullied out. Um, if I was making, you know, six, seven grand a month to pay some of my bills, I would have stayed and I would have fought. But I, I, I wasn't. I was ruining my name. Um, or excuse me, rephrase that. They were ruining my name. Right. And I'm not that. Anybody knows me personally, they know what type of person I am. People who don't know me, they think, oh, I'm the honey speech bad boy. I'm an asshole. I'm cocky. No, it's called confidence. I believe in myself. I was a kid who had nothing. And I still don't have anything. You want to know what I have? I have my kids. I have my girlfriend. I have my mom, I have my brothers, and that's pretty much it. Half of my family don't even like me because I support Trump. And it's scary because they were supporting Trump, and all of a sudden when everything got switched over and they're believing all this, social, all this uh, um, mainstream media, and then all of a sudden they switched. They're like, oh, this is the right way. It's like people are so just brainwashed. And it's crazy. It's like people have became sheep. I mean, we have no more lions out there, man. There's no more people who want to own the fact of just being a bystander here in America and fighting for our freedoms. And we are the we are the last domino domino to fall. Once we fall, it's a wrap. There's nowhere else to go, folks. Wrap. This is it. And people like Tito, myself, that stand up for our freedoms, we know, we understand that this is it. There's nowhere else to go. This is the There's last no. stand. This is the Alamo, folks. And what's happening right now is it takes patriots like Tito or myself and others out there. And I like that we're both fighters and we're both voicing our opinions. But that's probably what it takes, Tito. People that have been yeah. in the ring that fight. But hey, I will never I, run. I'll never run for politics in a in a in a uh, in in this rigged system. It's rigged. Yeah, and you know what? I really want to get something across to people who are your viewers and people who are going to be new to watching this right now. You guys got to understand. People like myself and Nina, we're just trying to spread the word. But we can't fight your battles. You guys need to step up and fight the battles yourself. Don't wear a mask if you don't want to wear a mask. People tell you to wear a mask, say it's a mandate. A mandate is a strong suggestion. It is not a law. Make them take you to jail. Stand up and fight for your freedoms because this is all we have left, people. I mean, it's If we don't do it, nobody else like will. People are willing to comply and just say, okay, okay, okay. We're going to say, okay, that's what the Jews did back in when all oh, they got killed, man. It's so scary because it's happening. History is repeating itself right now, and people don't see it because they said, oh, it's not going to happen here. It's happening, folks. You know what? Happening. You know what, Tito? I always say that we're in that point in history when the Jews were like, you know what? The, the, the ones that stayed ahead of the curve that were like, hey, I think it's time we get the fuck out of here. And those Jews were leaving. <laughs> the other ones stayed. I think that's where we're at in the country right now. The, the climate, the, the temperature in the country right now is 
I mean, we know we we're we're on the verge of civil unrest, civil war, you know, and, and um, I hope we don't get there. I hope we don't get there. I hope we don't either. But once again, I mean, people got to stand up and start fighting. I mean, this whole situation with kids wearing masks in school, parents, take your kids out of school. I know it's going to be hard. I did it. My kids are homeschooled now. The state pays for it. We applied for it. We got it. My, my kids are having, being homeschooled now. They got a computer. Now I can see what they're being taught. It's important. The mass situation, do not comply. This is your choice. This is America. Don't let them get away with the murder they've already been doing. The vaccine situation. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait. Be careful on the back. Be, be careful on saying those words because they'll, 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 like, okay, unbelievably, they'll censor the channel. All right. Well, and I want yeah, this well, to hit, I, you know, I want this to hit a white audience. Yes, sir. I, I like you know it. I'll, I'll take that back. Uh, <laughs> the lines, and it's important. Um, and, and I know you have a lot of fans who really do believe, but you guys just don't believe us. You guys well, need to start fighting. Fighting for yourselves. Fighting they're for used yourself. to my my code language. I use I use signals like this to for you know right. what. Yeah, but it's yeah. just because they have this AI that follows everything, and it's just it's ridiculous. Um, uh, so, Tito, you know, I just how many uh, back to your fight the, to the fight game. How much longer do you feel like fighting? What what's your, what's your goals coming up? What goals do you have in the fight game? Um. My goals right now is just make sure I just kind of uh, solidify, solidify myself in the, in the boxing realm. Uh, once again, I have huge respect for all the boxers who put in all the work of many, 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 many years. But I want to challenge myself. I want to challenge myself and, and fight some big names and have fun doing it. I want to have fun in my life. Over this last year and a half, it's been scary because I haven't worked in 18 months. Um, I've dug into my savings. And it's scary because, you know, at the end of the day, people say, oh, money and everything. Well, you know what? If you ever, you've never lived on government cheese, you never lived on powdered milk, and you never lived on food stamps, you don't know what broke being broke is. You want to know what happy is? It's seeing a smile on my child's face, not worrying about what he's going to eat tomorrow, not worrying about the lights going to be on tomorrow, not worried, not worried if he's going to have hot water tomorrow, and walking up to you and saying thank you, Dad, I love you, and being able to take my child out to dinner. Those are scary things where I never, as a child, I never got to have missing Christmases because we couldn't afford it. Um, Telling my friends that, oh, my parents aren't home. They're out of town because I lived in a motel and I was too embarrassed to bring children over my, bring friends over my house. I don't ever want that for my kids. And when I bring ch children into this world, I want to make sure that I was financially able to support them. Not just financially, but mentally and lovingly and physically able to support them. And I'm able to do that. And I'm not going to lose that because I'm a hardworking American that believes in the American dream. And I'm not going to be a victim society. I refuse to. And it's just one of those things that I tell my children the same thing. Question everything and make sure that uh, you guys know the truth. Don't let people pull the wool over your face. Pull that wool over your eye. Don't let the, pull, the wool be pulled over your eyes. Open them up and, and see what's around you. Question everything. And my children are like that. And it's good because they don't believe what someone tells them. They ask questions and they look it up and they, they find answers. And that's what's important. And that's what makes us... A little different, I think. I think that's why I'm a fighter. I think that's always, always fought. Um, I had three choices in life. Dead in prison or where I am right now. Exactly. I think I'm great choices in life. That, that, those are my choices, identical choices. Prison, death, or this, what I'm doing now. Tito, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, breath of fresh air for me, bro. It's great to see another fighter in the fight, man. 
And uh, yeah. I, I appreciate you, brother. You know, I see you on your Instagram, you're always out there fishing, man. Maybe if I get out there at Hunting Beach one day, we can go fishing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after, right after the 11th, um, I, I got some trips coming up that I'm going to go do. But, uh, I mean, I have my boat right here by my house. We're going to go catch some tuna. That'd Hell be yeah. And, and once again, I mean, I, a lot of people direct message me, a lot of information. And uh, I thank you guys for all the information. You guys direct message me on my Instagram at Tito Ortiz 1999 um, of course, you guys can follow me um, on my Telegram. It's uh, Punishment, or excuse me, uh, Punishment Patriot. You guys can follow me on there. I post stuff that I can't post on Instagram because they erase it. So I post it on there. It's just crazy right now how we're being censored, um, how we're being uh, just canceled. Um, it's crazy because it's America. Look, what I, I, look I, what I had to do right now. I, even when you said that word, I had to say, whoa, 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 stop. It would have bombed this whole. It would have bombed this whole interview. It's, it's unbelievable. Scary. And then I get a lot of parents who reach out to me and saying, what do I do with my kids? You know, what about work? You know, from getting this, I, I, I don't want to lose my job. I'm like, let them fire you. People understand this is a discrimination claim. If they fire you is different. If you quit, now you quit on your own. People stand up for yourselves. I can't do it. People who are doing all these, you know, protests against all these things will get up and stand up and do something. I'm one voice. You guys are millions of voices. You guys be the voices. We'll be able to educate you a little bit on it. I mean, you know, you do an amazing job of stuff you do. And Thank you. I, I, I really have been able to let go here in the last four, about four months. It's June 1st. I've been able to let go a little bit because I can't control anything. What I can control is what's around me. And that's all I can control. My children's future, my future, and my surrounding my life, and my family. That's all I can control. Everybody else. I'm not going to say you're on your own because you're not on your own. We're behind you, but you need to be the ones to step up. Let's all be leaders, not just one person and all of us follow one person. No, all of us be leaders. And that's how we're going to make it work. That's how we're going to win. Beautiful, man, Tito. So so September 11th on Triller, Tito, Huntington Beach, bad boy. It's going to be good. Tito Ortiz versus Anderson Silva. <laughs> <laughs> hey, brother. I'll be out there in uh, OC at some point. And, uh, hopefully, I get to hang out with you and BJ Penn. Maybe Pat. I'd like to see Pat again. And definitely uh, J-Bone, Jason Perillo. You guys are all awesome, man. You're, you're, you're like uh, some of the coolest cats, the coolest cats out there in Orange County. So thank you so much, Tito, for coming on the program. And I'll be uh, premiering this tonight at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Thank you. Yes. No, thank you, man. All my... Fellow Patriots, all my fans, thank you guys so much for your support. September 11th, live on pay-per-view, me versus Anderson Silva. It's going to be fun in this Prediction. Box. I need a prediction. Um, you're going to see an exciting fight. I'm going to try to knock his ass out, but he's a little elusive, and uh, I get it. And But I'm going to put on a show, man. I'm going to fight with heart and soul, and uh, that's why I've always fought. And Everything's on the line for me. Um, it's not going to be the last one, but I guarantee you uh, it's going to be an exciting one. Maybe I'll make it out there. Thank you, Tito, once again for being on the, the Nino's TV, homie. Awesome, man. God bless. Thank you. God bless you. Ray Dalio, George Soros, the Rockefellers, they are billionaires. They have all the money they can ever hope to spend. They are also all investing in cryptocurrencies. Yes, even the richest in the world choose to invest in the future through cryptocurrencies. Just as when there's big talk about cryptos being volatile, the latest market dip being permanent, and the government cracking down on crypto and other issues, billionaires are buying in. Why? Because cryptocurrency is the future, and the best time to invest is when there's a dip.
The deeper the dip, the higher the gains. So if you want to invest in the future, start now and start with My Digital Money. With My Digital Money, you don't just get the opportunity to invest. You get the security of knowing you're investing with a U.S.-based company that offers end-to-end service when you want it. So go to MyDigitalMoney.com.